parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so glad you're here. You know, Raised Resilient hit a pretty exciting milestone this past week, and that is that we hit 10,000 downloads. And I am just so freaking honored to be doing this and that you are choosing to spend your time listening to this podcast. It means the world to me. Your letters, your notes on Instagram, your emails telling me that this podcast sometimes is the thing that gets you through hard parenting moments. It's more than I could have ever imagined. And I am so grateful. And it really does mean the world to me to be able to create this space and to be a part of your week each week. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to celebrate this milestone, I want to do my first ever podcast listener giveaway. So I'm going to be giving away a 30-minute parent coaching session. This will be completely online, so it doesn't matter where you're located. And all you have to do to enter is go to whatever platform you listen to Raised Resilient on and leave a review. And then send me a screenshot of your review to my email, drhillary at raisedresilient.com. And then I will choose a name at random and somebody will be gifted a 30-minute parent coaching session. So that's how I want to celebrate this milestone. Go leave your review, send me a screenshot, and you will be entered into the giveaway. This podcast would literally just be me talking in my closet if it wasn't for you. So again, just thank you so much for being here. So on this week's episode, I want to talk about helping our kids explore the world around them safely. We don't necessarily talk about it in these terms all the time, but secure attachment kind of has two halves, right? And half of it is that we are the safe haven that our kids can come into when they need closeness, when they need co-regulation, when they're scared, when they're hurt, that they can come to us and get that closeness and have their connection cup filled. That's half of what it means to build a secure attachment. But the other half is our ability as parents to sort of scaffold our kids, to create safety in the environment and to support them in exploring the world around them. That is also equally part of secure attachment. And I don't think we talk about that enough. And so today I wanted to sort of explicitly talk about what does that look like? How do we actually support our kids as they explore the world around them? And what does that exploration look like? What does exploration really mean at different stages of development? So that's really what I want to talk about today. And then I also want to talk about how we can show up when letting our kids explore is challenging for us. Because for some of us, letting our kids explore feels really unsafe. And there are so many reasons that that might be the case. But for some of us, it's really challenging. And for some of us, when we're parenting with a partner, one partner feels really comfortable with kids exploring, the other partner is less comfortable, and then navigating that can be challenging. So I'll speak a little bit to that as well. But I think it's important for us to understand that 
our role as parents does include helping our kids explore, that that is actually part of our job as parents is to set up the environment and scaffold our kids. By scaffold, I mean kind of provide just enough help and support for them to be able to explore their environment safely. So when we think of scaffolding, I want you to think back to the example I used a while ago when I was talking about frustration tolerance and how we can help our kids just enough So let's say your child is trying to zip up a raincoat and they just can't get the zipper started. Scaffolding would be you coming in and just starting the zipper and letting them finish, right? You zipping up the whole jacket is not scaffolding. That is you taking over. And so when we say scaffolding, we want to be thinking, how can we help them just enough for them to be able to get that next rung on the ladder of exploration, so to speak? And we want to make sure that we understand that that is our role that we can't just constantly keep our kids next to us and expect that they will develop a truly secure attachment relationship with us. This is a great example of shifting, or in this case, maybe expanding our perspective to acknowledge and understand that yes, helping our kids explore their world is actually our job as parents. That is an important thing to do. And so even if it's hard for us, we need to care about it. We need to work toward it. And speaking of perspective, I have a wonderful free guide. If you haven't downloaded it yet, six mindset shifts to ditch the overwhelm and parent in a way that feels good. This guide is going to give you the tools to start to shift your perspective and see things more clearly, even when it is hard. Because again, if we feel like our kids are only safe when they are next to us, then we are not going to give them opportunities for exploration. And in this case, we've got to shift our perspective to see, actually, no, this is part of our job as parents. Shifting our perspective is the very first and the most important thing we can do if we want parenting to feel better, to feel more aligned. So you can go to raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. You can grab your copy today. It's totally free. So the first thing that we need to do to really help our kids explore safely is to understand what exploration looks like at different levels of development. So for your newborn baby, exploration is as simple and as subtle as just your baby looking around the room and taking in their surroundings. That's exploring. And then as a baby grows, exploring shifts and changes as your baby becomes mobile and is able to sort of crawl around the room away from you or before they can crawl, right? They're rolling and they're moving and then eventually they're walking and then eventually maybe they're going to daycare or preschool and then eventually maybe they're going to school school and then eventually to friends' houses. Maybe they're having sleepovers and so on and so forth until at some point they are doing this whole life on their own as independent adults. And so when we think about exploration, we have to think about where our child is in that sort of story arc that I just explained about what exploration looks like. And so then how do we facilitate that exploration at different stages of your child's life? So in order to facilitate that exploration, we have to first believe that it's important. And so hopefully the way that I'm describing this and helping you understand that it is literally 50% of what makes up a secure attachment will help you feel the buy-in to actually create opportunities for exploration. And then the second thing is that you've got to create opportunities then for your child to explore. 
And then we also need to understand that while sometimes exploration might look like you and your child at the grocery store or out on a hike together, part of what exploration is, is helping your child learn to spend time separate of you in developmentally appropriate ways. Again, there's a story arc here, right? So we're not leaving a newborn baby alone for hours. Maybe we're letting our newborn baby lay with their back on a blanket, looking up at the sky on a nice day or or looking up at the ceiling fan in the living room. And maybe we're letting our baby lay there for five minutes and we're going to go run to the restroom, right? Or we're going to go wash the dishes for a few minutes. And we're going to see how our baby does. And maybe our baby's cool with laying there for 20 minutes. Sometimes a fed, rested, happy newborn is totally cool to do that. And sometimes not, right? Sometimes our really little babies need to be close to us physically. So we're not going to start with long chunks of time away from us. We're going to work up to that. But we do want our kids from the beginning to start to feel that sense of safety in their bodies, both when they are right next to us and touching us. And we want them to be able to carry that connection they have to us into situations where they might not be right next to us. This is the groundwork for separation, right? So when we take our child to daycare or to preschool for the first time, we are separating from them for the day. And the goal is that they can hold on to those good feelings that we have in the relationship together until they see us again. And so we start that process by letting them have these moments of being apart from us. It is actually not helpful for secure attachment for our child to be right next to us constantly. And so I didn't fully understand this as a first time mom. I really, I mean, I've said this before on this podcast, I really thought it was my job to fix my child's feelings. I thought I really could never let him cry, not even for a second. And so, as you can probably imagine, I definitely didn't feel like it was okay to leave him alone on a blanket on the floor. I see how things played out with my second and third babies when I knew more about attachment and I knew how important it was for them to have these moments, just them and their environment, where they could take those feelings of safety and closeness that they got from me and transfer those feelings to other situations, like laying on a blanket on the floor. And so my oldest didn't get to experience that until he was a little bit older. And I realized, oh, I should be giving him these opportunities to play independently and to master his environment once I have made sure that it's safe and created that yes space that we've talked about here before. He should have those opportunities. But with my second and third children from the beginning, I'm talking at one, two, and three months old. I would lay them on a blanket on their back on the floor in a safe place, and I would just let them explore. I would let them look around and take in their environment. You know, and newborns do not need much. They do not need any extra stimulation outside of just the things around them because all of that is new. And so as your child grows, you're going to cultivate this independent playtime. You're going to create that yes space as your child gets mobile. And you're going to want to give your child opportunities to explore without you right there. That's really what independent play is. You can also do this outdoors. This is a wonderful thing to give your child opportunities for unstructured play outside. 
outdoor play in general is amazing, but your child getting to feel the sense of mastery that comes from exploring that environment without you necessarily being right there with them is pretty amazing for your child. Now, you may not live where it's conducive for you to put your child in the backyard and maybe watch through a window, but you can go outside and sit and just let your child play. You can go to the park and be nearby, but not necessarily facilitating the play, if that makes sense. So my 19-month-old, my daughter, she is just incredibly adventurous. Her brothers were much more cautious as babies and toddlers. Maybe it's because she has two older siblings, but she just has no fear. But she's also very tuned into her body. She's very aware of what she's capable of. And it is amazing to watch this 19-month-old child navigate playground equipment that's made for five to eight-year-olds. But I give her that opportunity because I am taking her cues in this exploration. And so when we go to the playground, no, I'm not sitting on a bench nearby because I don't quite feel comfortable. You know, some some of these playgrounds have like a 10 foot drop. So I'm not quite comfortable letting her do that by herself, but I don't put my hands on her. I don't help her. I let her do this herself. And even if that means she's going to struggle for a second, I let her do this. I give her the space to try and see what she's capable of. And the first time she got up to the top of a really tall slide, I had the impulse to move her legs out for her and help her get into the sliding position. And I stopped myself and I was like, no, 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 stop it, Hillary. See if she can do this herself. And lo and behold, she did. She shuffled herself around and she moved one foot and then the other. And then she gave herself a little push. And that girl went down the slide by herself. And I never would have known that she could do that if I had been really facilitating that play, if I had felt like, okay, no, you have to hold my hand. So I had to give her the opportunity to explore. So again, what that looks like is really going to depend on your environment because inside you, most likely you have the ability to create some sort of a yes space, whether that's your child's bedroom or a playroom or just a section that you can baby gate off. But when we're outside, we don't have as much control over the environment and certainly a playground with a 10-foot drop, I'm not going to let my 19-month-old do without me being close enough in case she slipped. But I did give her a developmentally appropriate exploration experience and I made sure to stay out of her way unless she needed me. So in that example, I'm not necessarily sending her outside by herself or sitting on a park bench and watching. Now with my older kids, I would absolutely sit on a park bench and just let them play and let them navigate these play structures. And sometimes they don't choose the play structures. In fact, sometimes there's this one playground near us and there's this really big hill and they love to climb to the top of the hill and just stand there and take in their surroundings. And at first I was like, I don't know, should I let them climb this hill? But then I gave them the space to try I watched them to make sure that they actually were capable of doing this safely. And then I let them do the thing. I let them explore that space fully without getting in their way. So in that case, the scaffolding is a little bit less than with my daughter, who I'm literally following about a foot behind her, but not touching her. So again, we want to help them just enough. We want to set up the environment to keep them safe. And we want to give them little moments that will become bigger moments of experiencing their environment without us, where they can transfer the feelings of safety that they get in their relationship with us when they are in physical proximity to us, to these other settings. That builds so much confidence for a child. 
to be able to navigate these experiences, to trust the feelings in their bodies that say, okay, I want to try climbing on this. I want to try doing this. I want to learn how to play with this toy. And I'm going to try this by myself. We want our kids to be able to trust themselves and to feel safe to take healthy risks. And so when we facilitate their exploration, those are really our goals. So toward that end, you might've heard on social media that it's not a great idea to tell kids, hey, be careful. And I'm gonna break down right now why that is the case because be careful isn't a great thing to say, but I think we say it, it's kind of a catch-all, right? Our kid goes off to play and we're like, be careful. And we're like hoping that they hear that and maybe don't fall and hit their head. But what can happen when we tell a child to be careful is that we actually distract them, first of all, from whatever it is that they're doing. And we give them this empty vagary, right? That really doesn't mean much to a child. Like really, what does be careful mean? So that's the question to ask yourself. If you have the impulse at the playground or outside when your child is scootering or whatever to say, be careful, what does that mean? And then can you say that instead, right? And so when I'm with my daughter, I'll say, can you get it or do you need my help? And usually she can get it all by herself. Or when my kids and I are walking to school, Instead of yelling, be careful as they run ahead of me, I'll say, hey, watch for cars backing out of driveways and don't cross the street without me. So I'm giving them actionable commands that help them understand what they actually need to do to stay safe. That is scaffolding, right? I'm scaffolding. I'm putting some parameters around this experience. I'm saying you can run ahead, but make sure you're looking in the driveways for cars that might be backing out as they're leaving for work. Make sure you don't cross the street without me. Those are our parameters. And you can go and explore away from me within those parameters. So that's what it looks like to build in regular, consistent opportunities into our daily lives for our kids to explore. And now I want to talk a little bit about what gets in the way for us as parents of letting our kids explore. I think the first one, and this is a big one, is that we are not confident in our children's abilities, right? Kids are so incredibly capable, but we often don't give them the opportunity to try certain things. So let's take my daughter, for example. If I had been worried about her safety so much that I hadn't let her try to climb up that big slide, even with me right behind her, if I hadn't felt comfortable with that, if I hadn't trusted that maybe she could do it, then I would have picked her up and said, no, 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 we don't climb on this slide. And she would have never gotten to test out her abilities. And as it turned out, she did that whole thing without my help from the beginning. I never had to help her get up that slide. But I never would have known that if I hadn't let her try. Here's another example. Yesterday, my boys were asking me if they could cut strawberries. And I think a lot of parents might be worried about letting their child use a knife. And I had that thought. But my kids have used knives before. And I just said, let me show you how to safely cut a strawberry, how to hold it so that you don't cut your fingers. I let them watch me and then I let them try. And as it turned out, they cut an entire quart of strawberries by themselves without a problem. And again, if I hadn't trusted them to try that task, I would have never known that they were capable. Now, does that mean that we're going to let our kids play with things that are inherently unsafe? Of course not. 
But the knife and the slide are both good examples of healthy risks, right? I would never let my child play with a knife without me showing them how to do it. I wouldn't let my daughter play with a knife quite yet, but but not she's not actually too far from where I would let her try with a child knife, maybe cutting a banana, right? This is a big thing in Montessori. The Montessori philosophy really holds that kids are so capable and we just need to give them the opportunity. So for example, drinking out of an open cup, that's another thing that a lot of parents don't necessarily let their child try because it feels like it's not going to be within their skill set. But actually, babies as young as six months can drink out of an open cup. My daughter did it. My other two kids never got the chance because I didn't think it was something they were capable of. So it's wild what they can do and how young they can do it when we give them the opportunity to explore. And so I would say that's the first thing that really can get in the way of us allowing our kids to explore is just not trusting in their abilities and not really giving them the opportunity to try. Now, another thing that can get in the way for us is rooted in how we were raised. If you were raised by a parent who did not give you the opportunities to explore your environment in a developmentally appropriate way, then you may have learned, like your body might remember that, oh, no, 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 these things are not safe. So a very young part of you remembers that going up on the slide by yourself wasn't safe. You were never allowed to believe that that was safe because you didn't get the chance to try. So now as you parent, your whole body reacts when you watch your child try something that doesn't feel safe to you. So again, because you learned in your childhood that you had to be right next to your caregiver in order to stay safe, it's really challenging to do that differently with your own child. But again, like anything else in parenting, it is hard to give what we were never given, but it is not impossible. Once you recognize that, first of all, this is a good thing to give to your child, this opportunity for exploration. And secondly, that that it's hard for you to give that because you weren't given that as a child. It's really helpful just to have that understanding. And then from there, you can challenge yourself and really think about, okay, my body doesn't feel safe right now, but why is that? Is that because I was never allowed to try these things? Is it because I was made to believe through staying close to my caregivers constantly that the world was unsafe? Do I hold that belief? And there can be other reasons, by the way, that you might hold that belief. If you've had any kind of trauma yourself or birth trauma, or you had a child in the NICU, it can be really common to hold an unconscious belief that the world is not safe because at some point in your life, the world was not safe. So trauma, any kind of medical struggle or traumatic birth, NICU stay, certainly if your child has had any kind of medical issues, it can be really challenging. And it can be super helpful in that situation to work with a therapist who specializes in trauma, who can help you process what happened and help you feel safer in your body in these moments when your child is exploring. And that segues nicely into this idea of how sometimes in our partnership, one partner is uncomfortable with a child exploring and the other partner feels really okay about it. And then how do you reconcile that? Well, sometimes that happens because there's been trauma, right? Sometimes there's a NICU stay. For example, this is something I see a lot in my practice and my work with perinatal clients. And one partner 
kind of takes on all of the anxiety for the dyad, right? And then the other partner kind of deals with the trauma by avoidance, right? This didn't happen. Everything's fine. And that can cause challenges in the partnership because one partner is saying, no, 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 no. The world is unsafe. And I need you to know that. And I need to know that you see that too. And the other partner is kind of going, la, 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 la. I can't hear you. Nothing's wrong. Everything is fine. And neither partner feels understood. And in that case, it can be really helpful, first of all, to make sure both of you work through the trauma of that experience with a trained therapist separately, and then maybe also in couples therapy. And then it can also be super helpful to have the conversation around how you see yourself as holding all of the anxiety for the dyad or how you see your partner as holding all the anxiety for the dyad. If your partner is the anxious one, it can be helpful for you to hold some of that anxiety. So you might say something like this. I know that the slide feels really unsafe. I know that she could fall. I know that she could get hurt. I really get that. So I'm going to stay really close to her, but I'm not going to put my hands on her because I think she can do it. That's going to go such a long way to your partner feeling safe, letting your child explore. And then if you are the partner who holds more of that anxiety, Communicate to your partner that you need them to just acknowledge that they see the potential dangers. They don't have to let that stop them from letting your child explore, but they just need to acknowledge to you, hey, I know, I know these things could be dangerous, but I really think she can do it. And here's how I am keeping her safe. Once we hear that, most of the time we are more willing to let our kids explore, even if we're the one in the partnership who is a little hesitant. So I hope this has been helpful. I think it's so important that we really understand how big of a role exploration has in creating and sustaining a secure attachment relationship and giving our kids the confidence to really go out and be in the world, especially when they are doing that when they're not right next to us. So Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want to enter the giveaway, go leave a review, send me a screenshot, and that's it. You'll be entered. Thank you so much. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.